I was thinking this week that one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given mankind uh, is the understanding of our need of him. Amen? Because when you know you need God, you are led into all the provision and all the reality that actually there's peace to be found when I don't have to deal with that. But God does. God deals with it. Amen? I'm going to let the kids go, and we'll do some notices later, but if the children want to go to their group, the youth will be staying in. I think they're already ahead of you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just want to um, just speak into, I think, what the Lord has been saying um, to us. One of the words that's uh, been shared is that to stand. We need to stand. And... Um, I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago. I was reminded of this book called Sit, Walk, Stand, if you know of it, by uh, someone called Watchman Nee. In fact, you can download it now and read it, I think. But I'm not too sure if I... I yeah? It is, it's a very good... And it's, it's essentially an overview of Ephesians. And, um, and the reason that it came to my mind was because I was thinking, I feel in these days we need to stand in the Lord stand in confidence, stand against the schemes of the enemy, Ephesians tells us. Um, but the truth is, if we haven't learnt to sit, we will never be able to stand. And so that's what I want to uh, talk about today. And, um, and, I, and I don't know about you, but it's not just what's going on in our country as we've been praying about where there's a lot of turmoil, obviously overseas and you know, there's turmoil around the world. And, um, but even just for us in our little corner of Eltham, um, God is wanting to do something that the enemy doesn't like. Um, and he will always push up against it. And he is a very intelligent being. He is powerful as we see him. He's not powerful as God sees him. But as we see him, he is. Um, and he's intelligent in that he, his schemes um, sometimes just require us to stop and think and actually consider, hold on, what's going on here? They're not always obvious. And so when we, as we see uh, briefly, and I, I will try and be shorter for, uh, I guess for all of our sakes, it's not just the young people. Um, uh, you know when you print your notes out, if you ever speak, you print your notes out and you get an idea of how long you're going to be. Um, and it's not font size. It's really, it's like, when I, if I hit like three or four pages, I know I'll be 30 or 40 minutes. I hit five pages. Um, but there are a lot of cut and pasted bits of scripture in there. So that's a little insight there. Um, but in, in Ephesians, and this kind of follows on from what Daniel was saying uh, last week. He, he touched on some of this. And if you've got your Bibles, it'd be great because you can then follow through it. But if not, I will put verses on the, uh, on the screen. Um, but we have this wonderful um, passage right at the very beginning in chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ in heavenly places. And there's some words there like, okay, well, what does that mean? Let me just see if this is, are we on yet? 
Oh, he's, oh, he's gone. There he is. <laughs> uh, just need to give it focus. There we go. Right. I was, and now I'm, I'm not. Click it again. No, it's gone. <laughs> it's a scheme of the devil. No. Um. On. I'm off, that's why. There we go. Okay, we're on. <laughs> Technology has on buttons and everything. Um, yeah, so we have this wonderful blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. So shall we pray that if anything that is said this morning will result in us understanding and living in the blessing of that God has given to us, shall we? Yeah? Father, we just pray and we thank you for your word that is powerful and effective, changes our hearts, our minds, transforms our lives. Will you speak to us and give us confidence to stand, Lord, to stand in the promises of God, to stand in the knowledge of who you are, Lord, that we may stand against the enemy and his schemes for the glory of God, in Jesus' name, amen. So we have this in Christ. And what does in Christ mean? It means that we are in Christ through identification with him. Now, I want to explain this because I think this is important. I hope you can see this. Uh, we are in Christ through identification. There is a whole teaching in Scripture about identification. And what that basically means is this, that as, so if this is small writing, as Christ was crucified, so were we. As Christ was buried and rose again, so was I, so were we. As Christ is seated at the right hand of God, so am I. Yeah. And this um, it also says we are hidden with Christ in God, we are joint heirs with Christ, so if you can even just imagine, literally, in Christ, on the cross, in him, was me, was you, nailed to that cross. How? By faith in him. I put my trust and reliance on him for my salvation, which was only through the cross. And if I had to go through the cross, it wouldn't be for my salvation, because I am not perfect. But Christ did it. So in him... I am a new creation. So when we read, and in Ephesians, if you look at it, in him, in him, in him, all these promises are in him. So if you're not in him, you cannot benefit from these promises. Okay? And then he says, in heavenly places. And there is this, in heavenly places means this spiritual reality. There is a reality unseen which we cannot see that is going on in this room. And if we had glasses that we could go put on and just see what is going on in the spiritual realm, what is going on in the heavenly places right now in this country? What is going on in the heavenly places in Ukraine? In Russia. What is going on in the heavenly places? So when Daniel was praying for 
His, as he was in, when he was told he was not allowed to pray, he was praying, and he prayed, wasn't it, 30 days or something like that, and the angel turned up and said, sorry, took me a while, there was a battle in the heavenly places for me to get here. And the heaven, the spiritual realm includes the material realm. So if you receive a blessing in the material realm, it doesn't benefit you necessarily in the spiritual realm. But if you have a blessing in the spiritual realm, it will bless you in the material realm. Yeah? Okay? So this is the teaching element, okay? Right? So that means if Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, and we read about this a bit further where we read, um, so we, we see this here, in um, chapter 1, verse 19, or partway through 19, talking about Christ according to the working of his great might, which uh, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So in the heavenly places includes the throne of God. Um, for above all rule and authority and power and dominion, so he's above all of these things. There are powers, there are dominions, there are authorities, and there are names that have been named in this, in this heavenly realm, and not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Many would say that that refers to eternity. Um, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Christ risen, ascended above every power and authority, and we are there with him in Christ. Amen. So we're talking about our position. Where are you seated? That's the question. Ephesians 2, um, 5 to 7. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, um, I think, I've, yeah, he, uh, Christ made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ. There's those two phrases again. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine as I use my imagination, I'm, we're sitting up in heavenly places and I translate this to me sitting in my lounge with the Lord and as I'm learning to hear him and listen and to spend time with him, he's saying, John, I want to show you the immeasurable riches of my grace. I'm sitting with Jesus. This is what we need to learn. If we don't learn to sit, we will never be able to stand. So when we believe we're seated in Christ, above all these, that's our position in Christ. Seated. He talks further. He says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. See, what you realize in Ephesians is that the church is not a group of individuals that gather to do things together. There is a, we are a body called by God and empowered by God to do great and wonderful and marvelous things. He is our head 
And he says, and I really want to look into this, um, as it's kind of stuck out to me in chapter 1, 23. We are his body, the fullness, so he says, he put, he, uh, that God gave him as head over all things to the church, in a sense, gave to the church the fullness of him who fills in all, all in all. Now, I don't know really what that means, but there's something really deep there. Something to chew on. That's a bit of fillet steak. You can't just say in a sentence. You've got to go and meditate, haven't you, Carmen? But there's something. God's church is his precious bride, and not just precious in this dainty, can't, you know, careful with it, you know, I don't know what kind of picture you think about when you think about when something's precious, but the church is, by means of Christ, powerful. And we have this, uh, through the church, a display, a, an expression, a declaration to these rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Demonic realm, angels, will look at the church and will be informed by, of the power and the grace of God. Now, I can't get my head around that, but that, to me, is what it's saying. So, and this is a bit meaty today, isn't it? So, you know, just, let's just trust the Lord. We'll, um, sometimes I feel like a sermon is, you know when you wear those um, Velcro clothes and people just chuck things at you and whatever sticks is kind of like, yeah. So maybe it's like that this morning. A lot of stuff be chucked at us and you'll walk out with something, I'm sure. Um, but the church, therefore, you know, we are a gathering of believers for a particular purpose, appointed by God, and we go back to chapter one, from the foundation of the world. And so I imagine this, that God, before he created the world, he sat down and he thought, I want a people for myself. And what are those people gonna be like? So imagine this, he's thinking, I don't know how it worked, but he's thinking, do you know what I want? And we read this in chapter one. So, and this is how I, I know this passage is debated and things like that, but it says here, even chapter four, um, chapter one, verse four, have I got the verse? No. So, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be. So he's sitting there thinking, I'm gonna have a people. That's the choosing part. But it's the choosing to be. I've chose us in Christ that we should be. Are you following me? Yeah. That's the choosing as I read it. I'm not saying that we, God doesn't choose us, but the choosing is what we shall be. The predestination is what we are predestined to be. Now, chose us in the world to be holy. He said, I want a people and I'm going to set them apart for me. Yeah, if you're a believer this morning, God has chosen to set you. Say, I want Sam for myself. That's holiness. Set apart for me. The calling on John's life is to be mine. Yeah. Now, there are all these things. There are things that we have to respond to. So it says in Peter, be holy as I am holy. But we've learned to sit before we walk. 
Yeah, Christ, in Christ, through faith, God has determined that this John Watson from Eltham will be set apart for God. Now, I take such a joy that he has taken the initiative in that and not me. But that's the promise. I will be holy. The second thing he says, and blameless. That means in all of my thoughts and all of my sin and all of my rubbish stuff and bad decisions and mind games and all these kind of things, I will stand before God and I will be blameless. You will be blameless. That's his initiative. He chose that before you were ever even born, before the world was created, that you would be blameless. Now, again, there's an, there's a, an aspect that we have to work out there, which is work out your salvation, fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to do of his good purpose. So what he works in, we work it out. That's the evidence. Faith without works is dead. So we don't just say, well, that means I can just go and do whatever I want. I can rob every bank and I can go and treat people awfully because I'll be blameless. No, you're missing the point. There are evidences to the work of God, but we work out of this place of God has said, I'm going to be blameless. And there's, there's a point to these things as we get to the end. The next thing he says, so he, um, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. In agreement with his will, he said, I have predestined, that means I've chosen beforehand that this will happen, that you will be my son, my daughter. The reason he uses son, because in that culture, the son was the heir. And he goes on later, one of the other things is that we shall have an inheritance. Are you, are you seeing this? These are set, instigated promises of God that no one can change, that we access by faith, not by works. We're learning to sit and rest in these things. He goes on, in him we have redemption through his blood, not mine, the forgiveness of our trespasses, our sins, according to the riches of his grace. In other words, I've, as he's sitting there thinking, I've got a people, and he's thinking, I am going to be the only means of their salvation. I'm going to be the only means of their forgiveness. And I'm going to take it. Before he created Adam and Eve. Yeah? See, the Adam and Eve sin was not a surprise to God. I'm not saying that he orchestrated it, but he planned for a people that he would die for. That's one of the great mysteries, isn't it, of the Christian faith. Um, according to the riches of his grace, in other words, as it says, I've really um, jumped ahead of my, I think, no, I'm okay. Um, just retracing where I am. Romans chapter 6, verse 1, I think it is. I was trying to think of the verse. Um, As sin abounds, grace increases all the more. Is that the verse? In other words, um, according to the riches of his grace means that there is no sin that cannot be forgiven. 
Now, I know you're probably thinking, oh, what about sin against the Holy Spirit? But that means that if you, if you uh, do not want to believe in the Holy Spirit, which is the means by which God works out his saving plan, you cut yourself off. That's another, another talk. So we enter these things, and, and this is what sparked this off. I read something that Spurgeon said. He said, every person who comes into the things of God, whether you've known Jesus for 70 years or for 70 minutes, all of these promises are the same. It doesn't require you a level of maturity. Right from the get-go, these things, before the foundation of the, of the world, God had already decided for me, for you. Amen? And so we sit in these things. We believe that through faith, we've been made alive. We come into those blessings, those promises of God, and we learn and we realize that I have a new position which is in Christ, and that new position changes my perspective on the world. So whatever we're going through in this country at the moment, or whatever you're going through personally, if you're in Christ... Seated in heavenly places, your perspective on that situation should be different to someone who is not seated in Christ in heavenly places. Because it's based on this. God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing. And that doesn't mean it's airy-fairy. It's like, it's all just like, oh, I've got a spiritual blessing. What I really need is I've got no money to buy food. Remember, the heavenly place, the spiritual realm affects the material realm. Every spiritual blessing. And so we've learned to sit. We know our <clears throat> position. And in this, what I've missed out on, there are two verses where he's, uh, two uh, lines where he says, and he just breaks out and he says, um, a call, um, verse five, to the praise of his glorious Grace, And he says it again um, down below um, at the end of the passage in verse 14, to the praise of his glory. That's why he's doing it. I've got a people, they're mine, chosen. This is what they're going to, by foundation, and it's going to result in the praise of his glory. All right, so we've done that little bit of work there. You still with me? Is anyone too hot at the moment? Just checking, no one's falling asleep. So I can see a few closed eyes now and then. All right. I know you're just taking it in. So now we've learned to sit, and now we need to walk. And it says, I'm just going to show some of these verses. We'll just go through this because I want to focus more on the sit and how it applies to the stand. But we are his workmanship in Ephesians 2, verse 10 created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And walk essentially means live, live in them. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And in verse 17, Now I 
this I say and testify, Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles or the unbelievers do in the futility of their minds. Chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. And so through all these, we can see that there's this um, strengthened with power. So as we're seated, and I didn't mention this earlier, this is chapter 3, verse uh, uh, 16. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being as we sit with him in Christ the Spirit enabling us to be in those blessings and to live out those blessings. I know I'm going fast on this point. That we may be strengthened to no longer walk in the old ways, to walk in love. I'm repeating myself, but just to make these points. Walk as children of light, verse 8. Walk as wise, verse 15. Walk together in the family, in verse 22 to 33. Walk in humility and obedience, or you can go into Galatians, walk in the Spirit. You know, we can't do any of these if, unless we understand where we are seated. Because if we don't understand we are seated, quite quickly we will walk in our own strength, as we would say. And we will fail. We will become disappointed. And no doubt, if we think about walking together in the family, when you have that row... Suddenly you feel like, oh, I've lost something. Uh, I feel bad or, you know, whatever it is. Or when you're um, out and um, someone cuts you up and there's no real walking in love in that situation or whatever it might be, it can affect what you think of your position in Christ. I'm just not good enough and all these things. But the root, the anchor of our lives is in what God has chose us to be. So we walk, and when we walk, we're able to learn how to stand. And we read in Ephesians 6, 10 to 12, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And just note this, that we battle. That's what he's saying here. We, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against these spiritual authorities where we are seated. And so we have to not identify as in call out names and all these things, but I recognize when there are some things that are just, there are some things that are just purely material. If you spend all your money on takeaways in the first week and you have no money in your second week, that's not a spiritual attack. <laughs> that's stewardship, the practicalities of life. Um, but there are times where things come about, the car breaks down and suddenly there's a disappointment or that that comes along and you realize financially you're wiped out in the first week. You think, why is this happening? And that could be a spiritual attack. So it could be. But, so we need to be aware we are fine. So we have to enter into this uh, mindset, a recognition that where are you seated? I'm seated in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. I'm seated, because I'm in Christ, it's not me that fights. It's me that obeys. But Christ is the one, you know, 
And I'm not going to go into the armor of God, but essentially we read here, put on the whole armor of God. And that is not something you do every day. That is the attitude of the Christian life. Much like when Paul uses put on in the rest of the chapter, he says, put off the old man, put on the new man. He doesn't mean every morning put on the new man. He's saying there's a new way of living, of walking in Christ. That's the attitude of our life. Now, sometimes we have to remind ourselves, don't we, of the armour. And this is what I find quite interesting. Even if we just took the first one, won't go into all of them, but the belt of truth. See, it, the belt of truth would hold up their armour, essentially, the rest of the armour. They would hang their weapons on it. It would protect their, was that the midriff? Is that the old word? I don't know. Their loins uh, is the old word. Um, and in this, in this it says, take up therefore the belt of truth. And he says, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit. Prayer is not a weapon. Prayer is the context in which we fight. So if we're seated in heavenly places, we operate in the spiritual realm, and prayer is a spiritual activity. You understand that? That if prayer was purely material, it would just be words. But because we pray in faith, the spirit moves. We are operating in the spiritual realm. So we know when people say, you know, um, I've got something going on. Will you pray for me or send positive thoughts? Well, we know because we understand the spiritual realm is that positive thoughts won't do anything. But prayer is powerful. That's the context. So when you read that passage, you read it again and just take out from therefore to the word of God and it, and it reads like this, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, praying at all times in the spirit. It's the attitude of the believer. All times we are praying or we are consciously aware of operating in the spiritual, in the heavenly places. Now I know that when you're at work and things like that, you're not just praying the whole time. Maybe you are. But sometimes we, we have to focus but we have this understanding that there is this operation in the spirit. And that's what prayer does. And that's why we pray as a church, isn't it? And that's why it's a focus, because we recognize that is the primary way in which we see God change things. So we stand. So we have, <clears throat> sorry, we have this armor of God. We can stand in Ephesians 6 because we sit in Ephesians 1. Yeah? If you're going to study Ephesians 6 and thinking, oh, I want to be strong in the Lord, I want to be able to stand, then meditate on chapter 1, not chapter 6. Because if you get into chapter 1, you will be operating in chapter 6. But if we look at these things and we think about what we've already known, so when the enemy speaks his lies, okay, so you've got the belt of truth. Um, so he may say something like this. Um... Oh, you know, oh, I'm going to pick on someone. John, I'm going to pick on you, John. John, you know, 
Why are you going to church, John? Have you seen your week? I'm not asking you to answer. No, I'm just saying, say the enemy says this. Why are you going to church? You're not good enough to go to church. Spoke to a man out there who says, I'm not worthy to go to the church. Do you remember, Martin? I said, this is a hospital for the sick, not a hotel for, with a spa for those who are rich enough to come. You know? And the enemy starts to weave these lies. Say, hold on a minute. Before the foundation, this is what you say, John. Before the foundation of the world, God called me his own by being holy. Amen. Oh, you... I've seen what you do. I know your past. I know your past, Margaret. <laughs> hey, the enemy comes, yeah. But you know what? I will stand blameless before God. See, the, the enemy, when, the, when we think about these battles, so let's think about the forgiveness of sins. When uh, Let's just get all these up because I'm doing it in different order. Um, the enemy comes along and says... You can't ask God to forgive you another time. And then your helmet of salvation says, see how they apply. The belt of truth says, I know the truth, that as sin abounds, so grace abounds even more. Amen. So we, because we understand the truth of chapter one, we can stand in... Uh, Chapter 6, and he, and he says, you know, God doesn't love you. Maybe you've heard, maybe you don't hear it like that. Maybe you just feel like, I just don't feel like God loves me. Something, little seed gets in there, and then you get to chapter 1, and you say, God predestined me for adoption as an heir of God. Yeah. Not only, and it says, in love, predestined us unto adoption as sons. There's no way the enemy can win that one. Before I was even born enemy, he loved me, predestined me for that. So, you know, in, can't win that one. What else did I put down? The enemy says, oh, just some of these I'm just repeating myself. There's nothing left really for you anymore, is there? Nothing really much. What's God got for you? You're too old. You're too weak. You can't think straight. No one will understand you. And then you read this in Ephesians chapter 1. He predestined us as adoption of sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Now, I spent a bit of time thinking about that according to the purpose of his will. And he says that a few times, that there is a purpose to everything he does. That means that if he's called you, there's a purpose to that. The enemy says, oh, you know, what's got God for you? He's got a purpose for me. I might not know it right now. <laughs> or, uh, you know, but I know he has. So what do we do with this? I'll finish now. Um, so, I want to encourage you. We need to stand. We need to stand. But we need to learn to sit. The walk will work its way out. I mean, you can go and study that and read that yourself. You know, you've got to live this out. 
Don't, it's not sit and be passive. It's, a, it's an active sitting is there, if there is such a thing. But we need to know, who am I? God has chosen me to be before the foundation of the world. He, he predestined me to be something. And it's here, written here in black and white. And when he only comes to me, I will write that on my, on my head if I have to, because that is instigated, initiated, provided by God, even before the foundation of the world. And so we take scripture, we've got to learn it, we need to understand it, we're girded about by our loins with it, and then we are continually asking the Holy Spirit, help me, Lord, to walk in it, as I said earlier, work out your salvation. That's not work for your salvation, you know. Work it out. He's done it in you. Work it out. Put on the full armor of God. As I said, it's not a daily thing, it's a, it's a lifestyle. I am equipped, God. And every now and then we need to just remind ourselves, Lord, you've given me an armor. This is a really tricky situation. I need to operate in it. You know, the belt of truth. There's an objective reality. I know this about God. I know what he thinks of me. But there's also the subjective. I need to walk in truth. I need to be honest. I need to have integrity. You know, there's these other sides to this operation. And often the enemy will just always point to where we, we fall and struggle, of course. And we pray continually, and we be the church that God intended. Amen. You know, we're a church. That's powerful, yeah. isn't it? And then it says in Ephesians 6, 18, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Let's keep going, church, yeah? yeah? Keep going, keep going. If you're feeling like things are just, I don't know, I don't know what you're feeling, Betty, keep going, Amen. isn't it? Mighty woman of God. Amen. Receive it. I love I can talk to Bay like that in front of everyone. She doesn't mind. I'd like to, because we have the uh, worship team available, I'd like, I'd like to, I don't know if you've got a particular song. If not, I can choose one for you. No, you go for it. We're, I just want us just to respond and just, in a sense, just receive it, enjoy it, ask the Lord just to impress it on our hearts afresh. I know this isn't new for many of us. But Lord, I just need a bit of a kind of, I just really want to be encouraged by this and enjoy this at the moment. This, this um, I say enjoy the message, you know what I mean. Enjoy the, the uh, truth. I'll pray and then we can, we can sing. Father, I just want to thank you for your provision. Before even the foundation of the world, you predestined us to be adopted into your family. So we sit here, Lord, by faith. We enjoy every spiritual blessing, Lord, that's available to us. Help us, Lord, to remember what's available to us. As it says in Ephesians, it says that you can do far above all that we can ever ask or think. Lord, we never really, I don't think we will ever appreciate the extent in which you will go for us because we are limited by our flesh. But Lord, you will always go beyond. You can do even greater things that we can even imagine. Lord, what a wonderful promise. When we think about our own lives, when we think about our families, when we think about the people that we meet, for those, Lord, that we think, Lord, how would they ever know Jesus? But Lord, you can do more than we can ever ask or think, Lord. You are incredibly generous. So, Lord, I just want to enjoy that again and just thank you for that reminder. Lord, cause us to stand, but first, Lord, enable us to sit. In Jesus' name, amen.